Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric Seepin from the Village Church, and this is episode 26 of our podcast. Very unusual podcast because it's just me monologuing. You get to hear my story, and you can hear me pause to think about things. It's going to be a little shorter, and hopefully we'll have a guest next week. But if you didn't know, and you'll hear in the podcast, Andy's on vacation for two weeks, and he told me, but apparently the podcast is work, and so therefore he can't do the podcast. So we ended up making me do the podcast, which could be very boring, but I made it short. So enjoy a little bit of my life story. You get to know a little bit about me, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Zerk. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. I actually recorded an entire podcast by myself, and uh, it didn't work, so I'm going to try to record the podcast again. Now, why would Eric Seepin from the Village Church on Faith Over Breakfast podcast be doing it by himself? Well, I'm done with Andy, and so I decided I'd do it by myself. No, not really. Andy told me he's going to be off for two weeks, and I have to do it by myself. I don't know why I would do it by myself, but it was such short notice, and my schedule is so compact that I decided, at least for this first week, I'd just monologue for a little bit and tell you that I really enjoy doing this podcast. I really, really like it. You know, when I was little, I used to listen to Larry King live uh, from 9 o'clock to 1 in the morning. I guess not little, I guess when you turned 46, being young was little, but it was, you know, when I was 13 and 14 years old and I caught the talk show host buzz and I think or bug or whatever, it certainly wasn't a buzz, but maybe it was a buzz. But anyway, I caught the bug and I think that if I wasn't a pastor, the thing that I'd want to do would be a talk show host. I probably wouldn't be that great of a talk show host, but I just love radio. I love talking. Of all those kinds of things. Now, you know, maybe this is, uh, I don't know. One of the things that I think about uh, that shaped me when I was a kid and radio and all those kinds of cool things was, you know, I got introduced to um, what was his name? Yeah, I forgot his name. I got introduced to uh, Rush Limbaugh. That's right. Yeah, see, this is why I wouldn't be a good you know, podcaster or even you know, radio show hosts. I can't remember a darn thing. So in the middle of my show, I'd be like, what's that guy's name? I don't remember that guy's name. Um, anyway, I got introduced to Rush Limbaugh. And, and, you know, I don't listen to Rush Limbaugh anymore. And his politics and my politics are slightly different now. Or, But he was good radio. He knew what he was doing. And I really enjoyed listening to him for the art of all of it. Uh, and, and so I really have a talk show host buzz and bug. I think, why do I keep saying buzz? You know, this is really interesting. I, I, you could click off now if you want, but I, I wanted to say again that this is faith over breakfast and I'm Eric and I'm without Andy. And I kind of want to talk about star Wars because I had a moment when I watched the most recent star Wars movie and you know, spoiler alert here guys, but at the end of the movie, um, Luke Skywalker dies and when you're watching the movie you all know that um, Carrie Fisher has already died so you know that this movie signifies the end of an era 
And when Luke Skywalker dies, and he dies on his own terms, he doesn't really die, um, you know it's the end of the era. And I started bawling. I just started crying in the in the theater. Um, because for me, it was the end of my childhood. I grew up with Luke Skywalker. I grew up with Princess Leia. I have so many childhood memories. And, and for those of you who know me, know that my email address is jedipastor at gmail.com. You can email me and tell me what you think. It looks like... Oh, there you go. Our recording is still going. Uh, I'm using uh, my laptop, which sometimes doesn't do the greatest job of recording things. So, anyway, by the way, I'm not at EXO, though we will get back to EXO in the next few weeks to do our show. So you can tell we don't have a bunch of stuff in the background because I'm in my lovely bedroom studio talking to you from there. But anyway, Star Wars, it it captured me and it defined me and it helped me understand good and evil and it really connected me oddly enough to the kingdom of God and and kind of re-narrated my role as a follower of Jesus um, as and I, and I began to think of myself in many ways as a Jedi as someone wandering through the world offering light and protecting those who are in need and giving to those who who are struggling against evil and intervening in the places where darkness has overcome things, which I think is the role of a follower of Jesus, and I think that's what Jesus does. But I cried in that theater because it was the end of my childhood. I grew up um, playing with the little Star Wars characters and, and building forts for them and narrating stories and introducing them to my Playmobil people. And, and it's just so much of my imagination... Uh, was caught up in Star Wars. When I was little, and we lived in Miami, Arizona, there was this pizza shop that every Saturday you could go get a slice of pizza and watch Star Wars. So I've watched a lot of Star Wars as a kid, and I still revisit them. And one of my funnest things for me was to introduce them to my kids. But, you know, when you watch a Star Wars movie, the other thing that's pretty dramatic at the end of that is you realize that the you know, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are handing over the movie and to a new generation and to, to a new group of people um, who are to devi- define uh, children's lives for another 20 years. And I don't know if that's going to be as true um, and they're, if they're going to be as iconic characters. I mean, it's very hard to be more iconic than Harrison Ford and... Uh, Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher like these are iconic um, actors but I, I think that, that that's what they were doing and, and it just in some ways it just hit me that, that I was getting old and that and, and that things get passed on that you don't get to be uh, the person who's constantly pushing the thought of things and, and the one who who can have new ideas that things do have to be handed over to younger people to figure things out on their own and what is your role as somebody who's older uh, and walking ahead of people to to help them and to be kind to them and not to discourage them but at the same time to help them not fall off the cliff and die 
Uh, so anyway, those were just some of the interesting thoughts that came for me when watching uh, Star Wars um, recently. I liked the movie. I thought it, it had some editing problems in comparison to the previous ones. I liked Rogue One a lot better um, for, for a number of reasons. I thought the story was tighter. I thought the acting was a little bit better. Uh, and it just was beautifully connected to the first Star Wars movie. So anyway... Yeah, everybody's got opinions about those things, but more importantly, it was just that it it was a very emotional experience for me in those things. You know, it's interesting. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about my life because I don't know if everybody knows that I grew up in Miami, Arizona, at least from second grade to fifth grade. And, and I learned a lot in Miami, Arizona, because we lived in this, uh, well, maybe you don't know where Miami, Arizona is. It's next to Globe. I mean, you miss it when you're on your way to Roosevelt, but you're pretty close once you head through Globe. But it was a rough town. I mean, you're either a cowboy or a cholo. My dad was vice principal of Miami High School. Our house was rocked four times, I think, or three times. Um, I remember some teenagers came by and just threw a ton of rocks at my uh, dad's cars in the house. And, and so my dad jumped in the truck, his truck, and they chased him, chased these kids, and then they got stuck in a wash. And, you know, just funny stories like that. But I remember th- there are lots of opportunities to get yourself beat up, and especially when you're the vice principal's son, and everybody knows that. Um, and also, I was just a mouthy kid. I always said stupid things, but... For some reason, I had the the capacity to always win over the strongest kid in the class. So I always had a defender, and I had people who put their you know their faces and their bodies on the line for me. So I actually never ever got hit, but kids threatened to beat me up. Kids cornered me, but I was always rescued, and God was very very gracious in those things. But we got in a lot of dirt clod wars. And one of the things we used to do is have these medieval battles where, because we lived in a construction development site you know, where they were building lots of houses. So we'd go raid these houses and get wood and build swords and shields. And then we would just go after each other and have tournaments and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. One of the interesting things that we used to do that I wouldn't recommend is uh, there were these kids on dirt bikes and they would always combine and wreck our forts when we weren't around. So we started pounding nails, small nails into boards to flatten their tires um, we built tomahawks and bow and arrows to, to prepare ourselves for battle and all these kinds of things. It was a place of wild and crazy imagination. And I think that's impacted the way I am a pastor. Um, I think being a pastor requires a lot of imagination. Being with people requires a lot of imagination. And so that's how kind of I don't know. I, I loved growing up in Miami, Arizona. It was really hard for me when we went to uh, went on a lake, Indiana, because my parents decided to go to seminary. Um, my dad and mom decided to become counselors. That's where I got introduced to Dr. Larry Crabb and Dan Allender. And, um, really was just introduced to uh, a whole different culture because you go from sort of cowboys and cholos to mostly white boy basketball players. I mean, one of the fascinating things about the school that I went to in Indiana in the sixth grade was that they had two sixth grade basketball teams, A and B, and the stadium was packed out. I mean, they actually had like a serious gym with bleachers for elementary school, and it was packed out for both teams. Both teams had cheerleaders. But not only did they have these A and B teams that had, you know, you know, it was packed, um, like it is for like a, you know, a, a playoff high school game in, in, Tucson. It was packed that way for every regular season game, A and B teams. 
Um, they also had like a pretty intricate intramural team. I almost made the B team, but I became a captain on the intramural team, and I took that team to the championship, and we lost. And you were kind of like the player coach in the sixth grade, and so that was a lot of fun. And that's when I kind of caught the the coaching bug and caught basketball as a as just as a, a strategic kind of thing because um, I love strategy. Uh, when I was uh, in the seventh grade, then we moved to uh, North Carolina, where, by the way, North Carolina basketball is much different than Indiana basketball. Like in Indiana, everybody is always shooting, right? And in North Carolina, my experience was everybody is dribbling and dunking. Um, and so it develops very different kinds of basketball players. Uh, but I found very quickly, went going in seventh and eighth grade to a you know seventy to eighty percent uh, African American school that that I just was I hadn't gone through puberty and I was not going to be able to play at the level of basketball that they were playing. Um, but you know, going, getting back to the strategy thing, I was introduced to. Uh, games, board games, in particular a game called Axis and Allies in the 7th grade, and I caught the strategy bug. Like, I love strategy. Uh, But what's interesting about me, and I think what people don't really realize, is I'm actually not a very competitive person. I mean, I don't like to lose over and over again, but I don't like beating people. And if I win, I only want to win by a little bit. So I usually prefer in board games and in sports and things like that to compete against people who are much better than me because then I know that I won't you know, have to humiliate them by winning or get them angry at me by winning. Um, I can simply play my hardest. They're going to make me better. And I already know I'm going to lose. And when I win, it's a fluke. And they'll beat me the next 10 times. Uh, so so I really enjoy that. Now, when it comes to playing board games and things like that, I, and I like trying out different strategies. And I'm not necessarily invested always in winning. Now, if I get beat a number of times, then I get tired of it and I'll buckle down and try to win um, with a strategy that, that's more... Um, conventional or something like that but i love strategy i love strategic thinking i love you know so it's funny you know one of my favorite shows um, is shark tank but partly because i love the strategy of presenting your ideas and uh, presenting your way of doing things and how business works and how people and how people think about relationship and interaction um in college you know i have like 230 credits and no degree because I loved sociology. I want to. I have all my upper division credits for cross cultural social psychology. I have a ton of credits in early childhood development. I was for a long time in women's studies and African American studies, so I got a lot of work done. And 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 even in you know, um, analyzation of literature and postmodern theory, I got introduced to in college, to some degree. Um, and so I have a lot of interdisciplinary things, which really helped me with uh, being a pastor. In fact, when I look back at my college, even though I didn't graduate, I realized that most of my college was preparing me to work with people and work with people in systems. And I love just to see how the impacting of one person can change a system um, and can change an environment. I, one of my favorite classes was environmental psychology and just how the environments that we live in impact 
the way we think about ourselves and what color does to us. And it's just all these fascinating things that God is so amazing in the way that he has intricately designed things. Um, and even in the fall, even in the way that, that sin has corrupted things, God's uh, just amazing design of things keeps pushing its head through the brokenness. And that's fascinating to me, just the way that when you and I decide to change our path and follow Jesus, how you can change the environment that you live in. And, and, and then how it, when those... When you begin to bring your own creativity to bear, but a godly creativity, one that's not focused on your own self-importance, but in really making um, this world better and pointing people towards Jesus, man, the transformation is incredible. And yet it's, it's, a, it's a battle for all of us because really um, our inclination is, is to, to not pursue what is good, but to pursue what isn't. So... Anyway, I mean, there I go, rambling off, but I, I love, um, I love what I do. I love that I get to sit here and heck, you know, that maybe 50, 60 people will listen to this and they'll know a little bit more about me. And I love that I have this beautiful, beautiful church called the village. Um, that man is it's those of you who are at the village, you know, this, this is so messy that we're all just struggling to kind of keep our head above water. And yet there's just so many beautiful ways that Jesus has intervened in our lives to transform us and, and our stories that they're what prepare us for, for things. Um, and so, yeah, to just to get back to my story, just, you know, I grew, I ended up in, in North Carolina um, and that's where I was introduced to board games and strategy. And uh, but my parents moved from North Carolina uh, my freshman year uh, back to Arizona. And what's kind of funny is they moved back into the apartments that I was born in. So my poor parents had to go all the way. They kind of came full circle, economically, you know, financially, and everything. Um, my dad was starting a counseling practice, and my mom was joining him in that. And, and that made them kind of absent. Um, but one of the things that's very powerful that my dad did is he promised me that I could go to high school all four years in the same place. What I didn't know is that in the middle of my freshman year, um, he got a lucrative job offer to be a principal of a relatively big high school in Phoenix. And he turned it down because of the promise he made to me. Which, you know, is... It just kind of goes to the character of my father and how much he really cared for us and, and tried to take care of us to the best of his ability. Um, and it, it's one of the things that just, it always brings me to tears to know how much my dad um, was willing to sacrifice for me. Uh, so that that um, it meant a, a lot. My high school life in particular, my freshman year, was super shaping because I, I joined, I, I made the, the Rincon bas freshman basketball team when we went undefeated. Um, I believe, and it was a really good basketball team. I was a 13th man on that basketball team. I didn't get to play very much, but what I did get to do was sit next to the coach, who was an ex-Bucks player, who taught me a lot about basketball, taught me how to coach, taught me tons about zone defenses and how to run the 1-4 offense, because that's what we ran, of which I have scrapped for most of my teams, because I like the 1-3-1 better for those of you who are basketball players. I like it as a defense and an offense it's more cohesive it has better set plays but anyway all that kind of stuff is a, another st a story 
that for another time. Anyway, that basketball team was actually relatively difficult to be part of because I, I was still like this mouthy teenager who hadn't really gone through puberty uh, that much. And I, for some reason, that basketball team just did not like me from the varsity on down. And so I, I was just sort of the butt of everything. Um, I, I do remember one time in practice, though, when I, you know, I'm, I'm not even six feet yet. And uh, we were running practice, and there was only 10 players, so I had to play the four position. So I'm posting up up against a guy who's rod size, 6'9". And I caught the ball in the post, faked right, and did a hook shot over him and switched it. And everybody's amazed because I'm not really that good of a basketball player, and that got me a little bit of respect. Anyway... That's a little bit about me, a little bit about my church, a little about everything else. This is going to be a short podcast. Hopefully next week I will have somebody uh, to interview and hang out with and talk about something a little bit more, uh, I don't know, whatever's happening in the news, or maybe we'll talk about some theology or philosophy or whatever. Uh, But this is uh, Faith Over Breakfast, and my name's Eric, and as you can tell, we really miss Andy. But I hope you guys have a good week. Bye.